Good morning, church. Welcome. We're going to begin our time of worship together, as is our custom, uh, encouraging one another from God's Word. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to read 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26, all together as a group. <clears throat> Let's read this together. What then, brothers and sisters, whenever you come together, each one has a hymn, a teaching, a revelation, another tongue, or an interpretation. Everything is to be done for building up. And that's my prayer this morning, and that should be our prayer, that everything we do together is for the building up of the saints and for the glory of God. So let's do that together. Let's glorify God together. Let's sing this together. Come praise and glorify. Come praise and glorify our God, the Father of our Lord. In Christ he has in heavenly realms his blessings on For pure and blameless in his sight he destined us to be. adopted through his son eternally to the praise of your glory to the praise of your mercy and grace to the praise of your glory you are the God who saves Praise and glorify our God. Come praise and glorify our God who gives his grace in Christ. In him our sins are washed away, redeemed through sacrifice. In him God has made known to us the mystery of his will. The head of all his purpose to fulfill. To the praise of his glory, to the praise of your glory, to the praise of your mercy and grace, to the praise of your glory, you are the God who saves. You believe his word this morning. Come praise and glorify our God, for we believe the word. And through our faith we have a seal, the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit guarantees our hope until redemption's done. We join in endless praise to God the three in one. one. To the praise of your glory, to the praise of your mercy and grace. To the praise of your glory, you are the God who saves the praise. To the praise 
of your glory, to the praise of your mercy and grace, to the praise of your glory. You are the God who saves. He's the God who saves. You believe that this morning? Would you say amen? We gather together as God's people, gathered around because and in the power of his resurrection and victory. Let's sing this together. I heard an old, old story, how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning, of his precious blood atoning. Then I repented of my sin and won the victory. Victory of Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me all I I heard about his healing, of his cleansing power revealing, how he made the lame to walk again, and caused the blind to see. And then I cried, dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. And somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming love. He loved me all I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory. I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea, about the angels singing and the old redemption story, and some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory. Oh, victory and Jesus, my Savior forever, he sought me and bought me. With his redeeming blood, he loved me all I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing blood. Victory, and Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood.
Amen. Give him praise. He is worthy. Amen. You may be seated. Church, we exist to glorify God by inviting every person to take their next steps toward Christ. My name is Alan, and it is such a joy to worship with you all today. Thanks so much for being here. If you are a guest with us today, thank you for coming. We want to extend a special welcome to you. We're so glad that you're here, and we would love to get to know you. One way we can do that is through a Connect card. It looks like this. You can pull this out from the pew right in front of you. If you'll fill this out, this will let us know how we can be praying for you, how we can serve you. And after service, if you go through these central doors, you can turn left. You'll see our next steps desk there. There, someone will be happy to greet you, answer any questions that you may have, and give you a free gift. So welcome to our guests. We're so glad that you are here. We have a special announcement this morning. This coming Thursday at 6 p.m., we're going to have a special dinner for our college students and young adults. This will be a dinner at my house. I'll be joined by Pastor Colin, and we just want to have a chance to hang out with those people in that age category. We want to share a little bit about our vision for, for that age range, opportunities that we have. We also want to invite our high school seniors and juniors just so they can see opportunities that they'll have as they're approaching life after high school. So that'll be a fun time. Please grab me or Colin if you have any questions, and feel free to bring friends too. That's this coming Thursday at 6 p.m. at my house. Well, as always, we like to encourage our faithful worship through giving. If you'd like to give, there's a few ways that you can do that. One way is if you will pull out a card that looks like this from the pew in front of you. This is our online giving card. If you pull this out, you can scan that QR code with your phone. That'll take you to our online giving page. If you prefer to give in person, there are black boxes in the back of the room here. You can drop a gift in. You can also come into the office Monday through Thursday, 9 to 4.30, or Friday, 9 to noon. Or you can write to P.O. Box 92, Hebrew, Kentucky, 41048. Well, this morning we have the special privilege of having our special guest, Dr. Chuck Lawless, here with us. He'll be bringing us our message this morning. I'm so excited and so grateful. Dr. Lawless is from the Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. He's been here this weekend for our mentoring conference, been speaking, and we're just so honored to have you here this morning, Dr. Lawless. We're excited to hear God's word through you this morning, so thank you for being here. We're going to transition now to a moment of prayer. So I invite you to please pray with me. Good morning, Father. Lord, we have so much to praise you for today. And specifically this morning, we want to praise you for the core value of sacrificial giving that you've given to us as a church. Lord, we thank you for giving to us so generously, so sacrificially. Thank you for providing for each of our needs, for each breath, for our daily bread for providing us with this amazing church body of fellowship that we get to share. We thank you for providing selflessly and sacrificially for our greatest need as Jesus stepped down in our place as a sacrifice for our sins. Thank you for your sacrificial giving to us. And Lord, we desire to respond to your generosity, to your sacrifices by being sacrificial givers ourselves. We want to reflect you. Lord, we, we, we know that everything is yours. All of our treasures, all of our time, all of our talents, it's all from you, and we offer these back to you. We hold them loosely in our hands, and we pray that you would use these for your glory, that you would allow us to give sacrificially in a way that would bring your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. 
We pray, Lord, this morning also for our dear friends, the Richard family, for Chris and Rhonda, Hannah and Kenley. We thank you for this amazing family who was called to international missions from this local body. And we pray that you will bless them now as they prepare in Mexico, as they train, as they learn the language, Lord, as they adjust to a new climate. Please bless them. Continue to bless them. We pray specifically for Hannah and Kenley being younger and adjusting to new friends, new school, new life. Please be with them all. We pray that all that they're doing now would be for your glory and that you would use them to bear fruit. We pray you'd already be preparing the hearts of those that they'll eventually be going to minister to in Guatemala. Please bless this amazing family. Lord, our hearts continue to grieve as we think about Ukraine and Russia, the conflict there. And we pray that you would be on the move. Lord, we pray that you would bring peace. We pray for government leaders, Lord, that you would guide their hearts. We pray for believers in both Ukraine and Russia. Lord, we ask that you would protect them, that you would watch over them, and that this could even be an opportunity for your good news to spread. Lord, be with our brothers and sisters in this area, and please be glorified through all of this. Closer to home, Lord, our, our hearts go out in prayer for uh, Laura Madden. Lord, we pray that you would bless Laura as she's recently had surgery and is recovering. Please be with her. We pray for a full recovery. We ask that you'd be with her and her family in this time. Lord, finally, we come to you with our greatest need, and that is that we have been separated from you because of our sin. We have turned away like a prodigal son. We've gone after our own desires, but we thank you for the amazing grace you've offered us in the gospel, in the good news of Jesus, that you extend forgiveness and grace for all who call out to you and put our trust in you. We thank you, Jesus, for dying in our place on the cross for taking the penalty that we deserve, Lord, for your shed blood. And we pray that you would forgive us of our sins, that you would wash us clean. We thank you that you didn't stay dead on the cross, but that you rose again from the grave, and we have an empty tomb. That is our great hope, that you have broken the power of death. We pray that you would fill us with that life, with the, the power of the resurrection of Jesus. We love you, and we continue to worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
And that's what we are here to do this morning, to turn our eyes upon Christ. We've confessed our sins, and by God's grace, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, and we get a vision of the cross where our sins were paid for and our measureless debt was erased. Would you stand and let's, let's behold this wondrous mystery together. Come behold the wondrous mystery In the dawning of the King He the theme of heaven's praises Robed in frail humanity In our longing, in our darkness Now the light of life has come Look to Christ who condescended, took on flesh to ransom us. Come behold the wondrous mystery, He the perfect Son of Man, in His living, in His suffering, trace nor stain of sin. See the true and better Adam come to save the hell-bound man. Christ the great and sure fulfillment of the law in him we stand. This is the good news. Come behold the wondrous mystery, Christ the Lord upon the tree. In the stead of ruined sinners hangs the Lamb in victory. See the price of our redemption, see the Father's plan unfold, bringing many to glory, grace unmeasured, love untold. Come behold the wondrous mystery, slain by death the God of life, but no grave could ever What a foretaste of deliverance How unwavering our hope Christ in power resurrected As we will be when he comes Come behold the wondrous mystery Slain by death, the God of life but no grave could e'er restrain him. Praise the Lord, he is alive. Isn't that good news? He's alive. So 
a moment to reflect on what that means this morning. Amen. He is alive. He is with us in his spirit. And so let us make this our prayer that as we go into a time of hearing from his word, that he would lead us by his spirit to listen carefully to it, to understand it, to believe it, to obey it, and to teach it to others. Let's sing this together. shepherd lead us much we need thy tender care in thy pleasant pastures feed us for our use thy folds prepare blessed Jesus blessed Jesus thou hast bought us thine we are blessed jesus blessed jesus thou hast bought us thine we Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, hear, O hear us when we pray. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, hear, O hear us when we pray. Thanks for singing. You may be seated.
Good morning, I'm Pastor Sean, and uh, welcome. For those of you who are guests, we're glad that you're here. Uh, we've been having this weekend, this is closing out our Next Step series, our What's Next series, where we've been challenging ourselves, what is next for us to take our next steps in Christ and how we might be faithful disciples and followers. And uh, we've looked at our runways, we've looked at challenges of giving, we've looked at prayer, we've looked at all these things that we must challenge ourselves here in 2022. And this has really been building up uh, as one of our runways that we've been planning actually for about two years now uh, to launch today uh, and to introduce this weekend our D groups. And so today uh, we have a special guest, uh, uh, Dr. Chuck Lawless has come today uh, from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, he, uh, Southeastern is where I got my MDiv, and so did uh, Pastor Colin, and I have the privilege of serving on the board right now, and uh, that's just a real privilege for me to serve uh, the convention, our church, and the seminary in that way. Dr. Lawless uh, taught at South, South, excuse me, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville for 16 years, and then now at 10 years at Southeastern. Uh, he is the Vice President of Spiritual Formation and Ministry. He is the Dean of Doctoral Studies. He is also Professor of Evangelism and Missions and the Chair of Missions there at Southeastern Seminary. And he's also the partridge in the pear tree. I think he's uh, all those things uh, there. We are thankful for this brother. Um, one day, I think uh, he was here about six or seven years ago and uh, talked on his Nobody's for Jesus book, and we talked about evangelism. Uh, we want to bring him back at some point to talk about spiritual warfare, but this weekend, some of the best training I have ever experienced on mentoring and discipleship. Uh, Friday night, Saturday morning, uh, you asked those that were here. It was so nourishing and encouraging. It was biblical, and I no doubt that today is going to be the same. So if you would, would you welcome Dr. Chuck Lawless as he comes to preach this morning. Thank you, Pastor Sean. I sat there singing that last song, Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us, Almost 31 years ago, my wife Pam and I were married in Fairfield, Ohio, uh, and that was the last song that we had sung in our, our wedding because we wanted to make the commitment that wherever the Lord led us, he would lead us like a shepherd and we would, we would follow. And it's just kind of cool for me to sit there and think about all the different paths God has taken us on our journey, and all along the way, he has led us. He's been faithful. He's a good, good God. Well, I trust you have your Bibles. If you do, turn with me to the book of Joshua, chapter 3. We're talking about getting ready for tomorrow. I have, for the past 25 years or so, studied churches in North America and around the world. And, and here's what we've seen across the board. I've done surveys of churches. I've done interviews with church leaders. I've looked at at uh, statistical growth and lack of growth in churches and across the board almost without exception we find that churches are weak in evangelism and discipleship those are our two weakest areas 
in the, in the North American church. I don't always find exactly that in global churches, but in North America, by far, those are our biggest struggles. We don't do a very good job of reaching outside of our walls, and we don't do a very good job of equipping people inside our walls. You put that combination together, and that's not good, is it? It's not good if that's what describes our churches. Well, I listen to your pastors, I read your bulletin, I, I hear some of the things that you are, you're planning, you're doing. There's no question the last two years have been some of the craziest years of, of ministry for any of us. No one would have ever trained us for a global pandemic and churches shutting down overnight and are having to learn how to do church via online and then figure out how do we gather again in a safe way and how do we get the fringes to come back and there are so many different things that we're all still trying to re-engage in and what I like about what I see you are doing is you are with intentionality and purpose deciding that we are going to press forward. You recognize the need, your pastoral staff recognizes the need that you cannot stay where you are. And in fact, in order for us to press beyond the days of COVID, we're going to have to double our efforts really to reach our communities, to even to get our own people back. And so I look at what you're doing and, and trying to get the gospel to everybody in your community. And I commend you for that. Um, Re-engaging uh, a lost neighborhood with the gospel, that's right on target. And then I learned what you're doing with your, your small groups, your life groups, and now you're starting the D groups. And all of that from where I sit as an outsider and as one who has studied churches for a long time, all of that is right on target. And I strongly affirm you and encourage you and want you to know that I will be praying that the Lord takes all of the levels of what you're doing, from what you do in this place in worship to what you do in your life groups on campus and off campus, and to what you're going to do in your D groups. Three folks pushing each other to grow, that we not be just static, run-of-the-mill Christians in a culture that desperately needs real faith, but rather we help each other really walk with God. That's what we need. And I just want to tell you up front, I want to help you think about getting ready for tomorrow, looking at Joshua 3. But at the end of this message, we're going to bring this to a conclusion, and Pastor Sean is going to step up here, and he is going to challenge you directly to make a commitment to be a part of your D groups. And I recognize that's putting you on the spot, but I also think that's right on target. Because what we're talking about here is, are we willing, really, to do what it takes to grow in Christ. And so I encourage you to even prayerfully consider that as we walk through the text. Joshua chapter 3. We're looking at the people getting ready to cross the Jordan River into the promised land. They had been here before. They had been this far before. And you may remember they sent spies into the land and the spies came back and said, we're but grasshoppers over against the giants of the land, so we can't take the land. Now they're back there again, and they're ready to move across the river. They're ready to move into the promised land. So, so tomorrow awaits them. 
I want you to think about what does God have ready for you in the days to come and answer the question, what must you do today to get ready for what God intends tomorrow? And this text will help us. So start with me in Joshua 3, verse 1, and I'm going to give you some steps here. We're just going to walk through the chapter together. Verse 1, Joshua started early the next morning and left the acacia grove with all the Israelites. They went as far as the Jordan and stayed there before crossing. After three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God carried by the Levitical priests, you are to break camp and follow it. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between yourselves and the Ark. Don't go near it so that you can see the way to go, for you haven't traveled this way before. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, because the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. Consecrate yourselves, for the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. Let me just ask you a simple question as we dive into the text. Do you want the Lord to do wonders among you tomorrow? Do you want God to do something unique through your church that, that gives evidence of his mighty power? I trust that you do. And so let's talk about how we get there. Here's, here's step number one. Let me just walk you through this. Step number one, hope you've got a pencil, you've got a pen, you can take some notes, you can type it into your phone. We must follow God's lead. Step number one is simply this. We must follow God's lead. So step into the picture with me. God's people are at the brink of the promised land. That land promised to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. By some estimates, there are two million people here awaiting to get into the promised land. But they face a problem, and that is the Jordan River at its flood stage is in the way. So how do you get that many people across a flooded river into the land that God has promised you. How do you do that? Well, here's what we read. The commanders tell the people, they go through the people, and they say this, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God moving, then you go. The ark of the covenant you may remember that that was that rectangular box covered in gold with golden angels on either end facing one another. And it was the, the symbol of the very presence of God among his people. And so when the commanders say, when you see the ark move, they are in essence saying, when you see God lead you, when God steps out first, that's when you go. You don't go ahead of him. You don't linger when he leads out. You follow him. You follow God's leadership. And it's striking to me here that at least at this point, as far as we can tell, they're not given any details. They're not told yet at this point that God is going to roll the waters back. They're just told when God says go, this is what you do. You go. You follow the Lord's lead. You know, as God leads us, I think sometimes we, we wish that God would give us the blueprint, that we could, we could look at today's page, and we could look at the end of the story, and we could see exactly how it would end, and we would get to know all the details in between. We talk that way. I don't think we really want that. 
because if God gave us that whole book, we would get not only the good, we'd also have to see the bad, and I don't think we want that. God tells us the rest of the story in his word, but he doesn't give us these daily details, these week-to-week, month-to-month details for us. Not, not like a blueprint. Rather, here's what God does. God makes himself known to us. He reveals his will to us as if he were unrolling a scroll before us. And he unrolls that scroll just a little bit, and he says, this is how much information I'm going to give you, and you must be faithful to what you know. And when you're faithful to what you already know, I'll unroll the scroll a little bit more, and wherever that takes you, you follow that unrolling of the scroll, and when you're faithful to that, I'll unroll some more, and all along the way, I'm going to be leading you, and when God has fully unrolled the scroll, here's what we will learn. God was always, 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 always right in his leading. What's our job? Our job is to make the decision that we are going to follow the next unroll of the scroll for us. God is under no obligation to give us all the details. He unrolls the scroll a little bit and says, you'd be faithful to this point. And you know what? If we choose not to be faithful to the point that we know, why should God give us any more data? Why should he give us any more information? If we're not faithful today, why should God give us any data about tomorrow? Our job is to do what? It is to to God. And look at what God does here. God is going to lead his people in this situation into a story of impossibility. He is going to lead them to a river that they cannot cross unless he does that. And then when he leads them across the river, he's going to lead them directly into battle. God does that sometimes. In fact, God often does that. He leads us into a situation that we can't handle. And he leads us into a battle that you and I cannot win. Why does he do that? Because when we can't handle it, we are required to turn to him. And he leads us into places of impossibility that he might be the one who leads us, that he might be the one who gives us victory in the battles, that he might be the one who gets the glory. So even when God unrolls the scroll and it's tough information that he gives us, our responsibility is just to let him lead because he gets it right. You know when we get in trouble? When we choose our own path and ask God to bless our choice. That's backwards. You want to get ready for tomorrow? You make the decision today, God, we're going to follow your lead. Wherever that takes us, whatever that requires of us, and whatever energy we have to put into that, God, we are going to follow the unroll of the scroll. So let God lead. Here's number two. Recognize God's holiness. How do we get ready for tomorrow? We let God lead. Here's number two. We recognize God's holiness. Now, again, I want you to see the picture. Two million people, the priests carrying the ark in front of them, and they're given this word, keep, keep your distance from the ark. A thousand yards. Ten 
football fields between the priest carrying the ark and you. Now, why would that be? Well, on one hand, it's just logical that that would be the case. With that many people trying to follow the ark, the ark has to be far enough out in front of them that they can actually see it. And so there's just a logistical difference there that says you're only to go as the ark leads, so therefore you've got to be in a place where you can actually see the ark. So keep your distance so you can see, and when the ark goes, you go. So that's one of the reasons. But I suspect there's another reason here, and that is that God is reminding his people of something. That is that he is a holy, holy God. It's a reminder of the holiness of God, into whose presence we are permitted to come only because he graciously allows us to come there. Not because we're worthy, not because we're qualified but because God chooses to invite us to come to him. You see, this God, this God is a God of awesome, fearsome power and glory who leads him however he wishes. This God who says to them, you go when the ark moves. This is the God who called Abraham from Ur of the Chaldees, and he said, you just follow me. This is the God who said to, to Moses, take your shoes off, Moses, you are on what? You tell me, on holy ground. This is the God who plagued the entire nation of Egypt to display his holiness, his glory. This is the God who demanded, demanded obedience. This is the God who consumed the sons of Aaron because they offered bad fire on the altar. This is the God who burned hot against his people when they turned to a golden calf. And this is the God who would say to Joshua later in this book the same thing he said to Moses. Joshua, take your shoes off. You are on holy ground. Our God is a holy, holy, holy God. You know what? I don't think our problem is that we deny the holiness of God. I don't think any of us would say God is not holy. I think our problem is we take it for granted. We don't stop and think about the holiness of God. For if, if we really understood the holiness of God, we would respond differently to him. When we no longer remember the holiness of God, several things change. We take sin more lightly when we forget about the holiness of God. We don't worry as much. We don't get as stressed, as convicted about our sin when we forget that the God we sin against is holy. When we forget that God is holy, we give him our leftovers, not our best. When we forget that God is holy, we ignore the fact that every one of us will stand before Christ and answer for the way that we live. But when we recognize that when we recognize that God is holy, we, we will fight harder against the temptations of the devil. We will make righteous choices. We will not turn to our false gods. When we recognize that God is holy, we will live differently, and a lost world around us will take note that we are different. So how do we get ready for tomorrow? First of all, we let God lead. Second, we recognize that God is holy. God 
is separate from us. He is distinct from us. It is his grace that allows us to come into his presence boldly through the shed blood of his son. And the only reason, the only reason he lets us come into his presence is a holy God kept his own word by letting his son die in our place that we might be the children of God again. We let God lead and we recognize that God is holy. And here's number three. We must consecrate ourselves. We must consecrate ourselves. Look with me at the text again. Go with me to Joshua 3, verse 5. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves because the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. Consecrate yourselves because God's about to do something. The word consecrate means sanctify yourself. It means be holy. It means be separate from the, the ways of the world. It means be cleansed in preparation for what God is about to do. In their day, that would include rituals like washing one's self and washing one's clothing and abstaining from sexual intercourse for a period of time. But more than that, it meant this. It meant locking their eyes on God and turning from anything that would hinder their relationship with God. They would deal with any garbage in their lives in order to be clean vessels for God to use. Here's, here's a picture that helps me. This is, this is at least the case for me on my, on my Mac uh, computer. If I want to change a setting on my Mac, I have to go into the settings, and in the corner is a little lock. Some of you know what I'm talking about. If I want to change the settings, I have to put the password in, unlock the lock, change it, lock the lock down again, and then step out of settings. So I open the lock, I make the change, I lock it down again. That's what consecration is about. It's coming to the place where we decide as the followers of God that we're asking the Spirit of God, God, unlock my heart for a minute, and I want you to show me anything and everything that's in the way of my following you. And I want you to show me any sin in my life, any sin that I'm committing that, that I should not be committing, anything I should be doing that I'm not doing, God, for the sake of my walk with you and for the sake of our work together as a church, I want you to show me every part of my life that's displeasing to you. And then, God, I want you to change that and then lock it down again that I will be consecrated before you. God, open the lock, change my heart and lock it down again. I wonder what the Hebrews had to deal with on that day. We don't know for sure, but we can guess because we know from their history some of the things that they dealt with. So let me just give you some of those things. And what I want you to think about is this. I want you to let the Spirit drive this home for you. Are, are any of these areas where you need to open the lock, make some changes, and lock it down again? Greed. Hatred, anger, lust, marital conflict, lying, 
adultery, idolatry, you lift something up more important to you than God, theft, pride, selfishness, dishonoring parents, immoral talk, bitterness toward God, frustration with leaders. The truth is we could go on and on and on and on listing the different kinds of things that the Spirit of God may reveal to us. And God's word to us is this. If you want to get ready for God to do mighty things among you, if you meant what you said when you want God to do great wonders among you, there is a cost for that. And that cost is laying your soul on the altar before God and letting God work you over to make you what he wants you to be. And that's what it's going to take for the church to make a difference. Why does, why does consecration matter? Because, because we want God to fall on us and do mighty things through us. But we have to remember this. When God does mighty wonders among a holy people, among people who are committed to him, who've dealt with the junk in their lives, when God does wonders among a holy people, he makes himself known. He lets their remaining sinfulness rise to the surface. He takes the dross off the top, and he just continually purifies them that they become more and more like Christ. And that's exactly what we want to be as God's church. On the other hand, if God falls upon an unholy people, he might just consume them. And if we really want God to work among us, we have to deal with the junk. Here's, here's the picture that's, that's most helpful to me. My wife and I, Pam and I, are two of the two of the cleanest people you will ever meet in your life. In fact, I suspect we're ill at some level. We're, we're very clean. Uh, if, I were to, if I were to come to your house today and wash my hands in your sink before I ever leave that room, I'm going to find a towel and I'm going to scrub the sink out before I walk away. Because my grandma drilled into me years ago. If you always clean the sink before you leave, You'll never have scum build up. And she so drilled it into me, I'm 61 years old and I still do it. I have traveled all over the world. I have cleaned sinks on several continents. Uh, it's, just, it's just who I am. Well, a number of years ago now, I was pastoring in, in Fairfield, Ohio, and the Lord was calling us back to Southern Seminary. And uh, we put our house on the market there, and we knew it would sell quickly because it was the cleanest house in Ohio. And so, uh, and it did, it did, literally. A young couple came through day one. They looked at the house and they said, we can move in here tomorrow. So they, they signed the contract. We raised our hands, praising the Lord. We were grateful that God answered our prayers. Everything was great, except that in that contract was a little clause that said there had to be a home inspection. So a home inspector came through our house, he walked through our house, he looked at it, then he went under our house to our call space, to which we had not gone. And here's what he found. He found termites everywhere, and he found water that had been sitting under our house so long 
that unbeknownst to us, it had rotted our plywood floors. So he came back upstairs. He said, let me show you what's going on here. He pulled our carpet back, our completely spotless carpet, and he stuck his finger through our plywood floor. That's how wet it was. In order to sell our house, we had to bring in a company, and they lifted the entire house with hydraulic jacks, took out all the lumber, re replaced it with treated lumber, set it back down, and it cost us thousands of dollars to get our house ready to sell. Now, what's my point? Had you come to our house and you looked at it from the floor up, it was as spotless as it could be, I promise you. But you go underneath where nobody's looking, and it was being destroyed by termites and water. And my point is this. You and I can come to this place, and we can gather among the people of God, and we can hang out in our small groups, and you can even join a D group. And you can look as godly and as faithful and as righteous as you want to look. Because every single one of us, beginning with me, can play the game from the floor up. But what matters is what's going on in your crawl space. What matters is what's happening in the places that nobody sees. If you want to be a church where God just does wonders among you, you must, I plead with you, beginning with me, beginning with your pastors, we have to deal with the junk in our crawl space. And I challenge you today, if you know there's stuff there that is just getting in the way of your walk with God, it's time to get real with God. It's time to be honest with a pastor. It's time to deal with the stuff that hinders your walk, that hinders your relationships, that hinders your family, even unbeknownst to you. Sin in the lives of a believer gets in the way of everything we do. That's consecration. It's letting God deal with our crawl space. So how do we get ready for tomorrow? We let God lead. We recognize that God is holy. We consecrate ourselves. And then here's number four. The fourth thing we must do to get ready for tomorrow, we must get our feet wet. We must get our feet wet. Go back with me to Joshua 3. Pick up with me in verse 9. And I want you to see what happens. The people have prepared themselves. They've consecrated themselves. They are prepared to go when the ark moves. And here's what we learn, beginning in verse 9. Then Joshua told the Israelites, come closer and listen to the words of the Lord your God. He said, you will know that the living God is among you, and that he will certainly dispossess before you the Canaanites, the Hephites, Hivites, Perizzites, Gergesites, Amorites, and Jebusites, when the ark of the covenant of the Lord of the whole earth goes ahead of you into the Jordan. Now, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man for each tribe. Now look at verse 13 and follow with me. When the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of the whole earth, come to rest in the Jordan's water, its water will be cut off. The water flowing downstream will stand up in a mass. Now God gives them some details. He's unrolling the scroll a little bit more. Verse 14. When the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carried the ark of the covenant ahead of the people. Now the Jordan overflows its banks throughout 
the harvest season. So now you see how hard it is for them to cross. But as soon as the priest carrying the ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water at its edge, and the water flowing downstream stood still, rising up in a mass that extended as far as Adam, a city next to Zarethan. The, the water flowing downstream into the Sea of the Arabah, the Dead Sea, was completely cut off, and the people crossed opposite Jericho. They now have the word. Here's what you do. When the ark leads, you follow. But that water that you see overflowing the Jordan at its flood stage, it will be cut off. It will stand up in a heap, but that won't happen until somebody puts his feet in the water. Until somebody takes a step of faith that says, I believe God is going to keep his word here. And I just imagine the picture. I imagine the priests putting their toes in the edge of the water and God rolls the, God rolls the waters back and the people begin to cross on dry ground. And Joshua 4 tells us they made their way across the dry ground in haste. And that makes a whole lot of sense to me. I can just see the millions of people crossing the, the, the dry ground and looking either direction and saying, Lord, Lord, hold the waters back. Hold the waters back. Hold the waters back. Lord, we're crossing now. I can hear them talking to each other. Would you get a move on? Would you, would you keep moving forward? Would you hurry up? It's millions of people going across as God works a miracle in their lives, but it doesn't happen until somebody in faith says, I'm putting my feet in the water. So we put our feet in the water and God rolls the waters back. It is his gift of faith to us that allows us to trump our fear with faith and we step into the water. And we trust that if we take the next step, the next unroll of the scroll, here's what we know. God has something more for us. God wants to do wonders among us. But if we want to be ready for the wonders, we have to put our feet in the water today. And that's where I want to challenge you. You know some of the things that you have geared up to do in getting the gospel to your neighbors, in, in praying for folks, and and making sure they hear the, the good news of Jesus and reaching out to others and inviting people to gather with you again as you seek to regather and reach this community. And now this commitment that says, I am willing, even if I'm afraid of this, even if I don't know if I'll even like being in a group of three where people are asking me hard accountability questions and I don't know if I like it or not, but I know I need it and so I'm going to put my feet in the water. That's all I'm asking. Are you willing today to put your feet in the water and trust that if you take that step that says, God, I want to be most useful to you so that you can do wonders among your people at this church, God, I'm putting my feet in the water today. That's the challenge. You come so far to say, we're going to let God lead. We recognize that God is holy. We consecrate ourselves, but you stay right there in your seat. We haven't gone far enough. What is God asking you to do today to put your feet in the water? I don't know what it may be that you need to talk to a pastor after this service and say, Pastor, I got junk in my crawl space. I need, I need you to 
hear me out and pray for me. It may be that you're angry with somebody in this church and bitterness is consuming you. It's become your God. Today you need to put your feet in the water and go make amends. It may be today that you, you have lost your fire for Christ and the whole idea of telling others about Jesus doesn't even resonate with you because you've lost that wonder and God has said, no, you need to come back today. You need to put your feet in the water. Or it may be that you need to make a commitment today. I'm going to put my feet in the water with our D groups. I don't know what it is, but I do know this. When we put our feet in the water and trust God, God lets his glory fall among us. And our nation, our world, your state, my state of North Carolina, we desperately need churches where the power of God has fallen upon us. Pastor Sean, I'm going to turn this over to you to lead your folks from here. So today in your bulletins, if you hopefully you've got one, that there's a card of response. What our D groups are that we've presented all weekend and what we've talked about is a commitment to meet with an, two other believers one time a week for an hour maybe in your schedule it might end up being every other week but we want, don't want it to get beyond that but to sit with two other believers to talk about what your week was like before what's in my cross face how have I read the Bible did I share the gospel with someone Talk through those things with those two other people. Be held accountable. Read the Bible together and find out what God has for you all and then set a goal for the next week. That's, 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 the, that's the process. What am, how am I going to live obediently the next week? Uh, we know that being discipled and discipling is something that all churches have become weekend, but we here at Hebron Baptist want to say it's stopping with us. We want to be people who follow Jesus, and we need each other to help us to do that. In the past fall, we had people who were in uh, their 60s and 70s meeting with people in their 30s. Boy, God moved among those groups, and they were grown together, and they were grown closer to the Lord. We had people in all age groups, people who, had, who were single with married people and people who had families they, the people at all walks of life but what they were committed to was each other and the word of the Lord so what we're asking today as you fill out that card is saying that I know that God wants me to take this step and I know that I want to commit to do that today that I, in the next few weeks that as we get these groups together that you'll be put with people well, you'll have opportunity to speak into that and ask more questions but today we're looking for an opportunity to respond some of you have already responded some of you have as you've gone through we had 21 people do it this past fall and now they're looking to get with two more people themselves and so we know that God's going to do something amazing so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask the the band leaders uh, the the band and the singers to come on up and uh, they're going to lead us in a song. And uh, if you commit to that, on that sheet, I think there's times that's just to help with planning. That doesn't mean that you're set in that time slot. It doesn't mean that that can't change in the future. 
But it's just saying to us as pastors, though, that we can help accommodate and help you get connected with someone, uh, that you're willing to commit to be with two other believers to grow in Christ. And what this could do, Dr. Lawless said something that stuck with me yesterday, that this could change this church and change your life forever. If you commit to the Lord and take serious walking in faith with another believer and set this as a habit in your life. Imagine what will happen to your life now and what will happen here in our church for years to come. So as we sing, if you feel led to bring your card up to the front here, we'll put it here on the, just on these steps and you can go right back to your seat. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this call to put our feet in the water. Lord, we know that you have called us to a greater place and a greater walk with you, to what's next. It's for us to move forward in faith, to take that next step as a Christian, to walk by faith as we get with other believers, to, to be discipled, to disciple someone else, to read the scriptures, pray, and hold each other accountable. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we do this as a church body, you would bless us and see fruit for weeks and months and years to come as we see people faithfully following you. Lord, we're thankful for this day. We're thankful for the opportunity to move in a way that's tangible and to change this church and this community in your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? And as you make your way forward, let's sing together. We walk with the Lord in the light of His Word. What a glory He sheds on our way. While we do His good will, He abides with us still. And with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we share. But our toil He doth richly repay. Not a grief nor a loss, not a frown nor a cross, but is blessed if we trust and obey. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. But we never can prove the delights of his love 
until all on the altar we For the favor he shows and the joy he bestows are for them who will trust and obey. Then in fellowships we, we will sit at his feet, or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do, where he says we will go, never fear, only trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Sing that again. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. You may be seated. Praise God, we're excited. Uh, we are going to have somewhere probably between 40 to 50 people in D groups. That is going to change lives, change our church, and, and we're going to see such fruit for years to come. We're excited to see uh, what God is doing in our midst and how that's given all of us one extra step, one other way that we might take our next step towards Christ. We are so excited about what God's going to do. This doesn't mean today, if you didn't take advantage of this, that you're never going to get to do D groups or be a part of one. Uh, we're going to have more opportunities. We'll probably hear more next week of some people who might need an extra person or, or you might even be reached out to, by someone this week uh, who's wanting to start one. And we'll, uh, we want to hear about that. We're going to hear more about that from Pastor Colin next week. So as we launch out next week, you'll hear more about it couple quick things before we leave this morning. Uh, this is our Go Tell Challenge is next Sunday. Our Go Tell Challenge. So hopefully you've invited someone. Uh, you've put your ping pong in the ball uh, in the box over there. Uh, we said this is an achievable goal that every person put invites one person to take a next step or to invite them to church. We'd blow away that 150 goal. So hopefully that you've done that. And next Sunday, you're going to bring someone with you to church. Next Sunday, March 13th. Now, I know this is a tough one because you lose an hour of sleep. I'm just going to prepare you now. Just sleep an extra hour this week sometime, okay? Isn't it? We're moving forward. Well, yeah, we, but we lose an hour of sleep, but we, we turn the clock forward, and we lose an hour of sleep. 
okay? So, but that's okay. You just tell people, say, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll get you lunch on the way here. We'll meet you here. We'll come by the door, knock on your door, make sure you're awake. Uh, we'll call you, whatever we need to do. We'll invite you and bring you to church next week. So bring someone to church next week. We're getting our, ready to launch our new series. We're going to continue. Uh, we're, uh, we did the first half of the Sermon on the Mount last year. Now we're going to the back part of the Sermon on the Mount. We're starting next Sunday on that. So what a great time for someone to come. You can tell them, hey, our pastor's starting a new sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount, so you can bring them here. There's a lot of different ways that you can uh, invite or encourage someone. And then make sure you put that ping pong in the box next week. We want to see how we've reached our goal and see what God's done amongst us here in northern Kentucky. Speaking of that, in two weeks on March 20th, March 20th, uh, we will be having our first Gospel to Every Home launch. And so that night we're going to have child care. We're going to have, uh, we're going to uh, split up in teams. Uh, we did this last year and we've kind of taken a break. But now that the, the temperature's kind of moving back up, this is our opportunity to go back out and start to uh, introduce ourselves back to the community, invite people to uh, Easter services and our events for Easter. So, uh, take plans now from four to six on Sundays uh, if you can do uh, one Sunday come that first Sunday then hopefully you can do a couple other Sundays after that we'll be doing that through uh, the summer and so uh, taking a couple Sundays off here and there but we we will launch that we hope that you will join us on that first Sunday as we launch out and we get a real good running start uh, to meeting our community God's done really great things we've had some people here that that have been in, introduced or invited through gospel to every home and so we're excited about what God will do through that and we hope that you will come next uh, excuse me today women on mission will meet uh, at four o'clock is that four uh, so if you're a woman and you'd like to be involved in missions projects here, we'd love for you to come at 4 o'clock. It'll be downstairs in room 103. Uh, speaking of Easter, uh, we have the Easter celebration, which is coming up. Um, and we need you to help us by filling Easter eggs. Uh, out on the table over there is Easter eggs there. If you could buy candy, put the eggs in the eggs, and then put the candy in the eggs, and then return the eggs back. Uh, or if you just donate candy, uh, you, we, we will stuff the eggs for you. But uh, this is a huge outreach to our community. Our community knows it's coming and expected. We need a lot of eggs. So do everything you can to help us as we get prepared for that Easter celebration. And finally, I think this is finally, uh, our new members class is March 16th and the 23rd. It's Wednesday night. So if you're new to Hebron Baptist Church or you want to join Hebron Baptist Church, uh, this, this class is for you. It, it gives you a peek inside, behind the curtain, so to speak, uh, of our vision and who we are as a church. It is two Wednesdays in a row. Uh, it's at 6.30 and it goes to 8, so about an hour and a half. There is child care provided. Uh, what I need you to do is if you're interested in being part of this class, Go to the Next Steps desk that is uh, out these double doors to the left. They have a form for you to fill out, and they have a book for you to pick up. So you need to get those two things and let them know that you're planning to come or if you need child care for that. The 16th and the 23rd, you need to attend both of those classes to be a part, okay, to fulfill the membership requirement. 
I love this class. Everybody that's been through it really enjoy, enjoys it, is encouraged by it. So we hope if you're thinking about joining us or want to know more, that you'll be part of that class. I'll also be at the Next Steps desk. If you want to know more about uh, cleaning out the crawl space, if there's something that's going on in your life that you need help with, I'd love to encourage you in that. If you want to trust Christ, I'd love to talk to you about that, or baptism, I'll be there to talk to you about that as well. I've been, have you been blessed being in the Lord's house today? Amen. We're thankful for what God is doing, that we can worship. Yeah, amen. Again, we want to thank Dr. Lawless and for his bringing the word today and this weekend. And uh, uh, we hope to see him again soon sometime. And uh, we uh, pray for his blessing on his ministry uh, and training up missionaries and church planners and pastors and his work with IMB. He works with uh, uh, a lot with IMB as well. So we're thankful for all he does for Southern Baptist churches on our behalf for the Great Commission. Uh, Let's go in the Lord. Uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you. And as you go, tell others about Jesus. Goodbye.